let's get it. Hop off a 16 passenger, this a G5, no, this not a challenger. Big one. I keep some members with me in the fridge, the coat seats, they some cannibals. Eaters. They like to geek, geek. Drink a whole bottle, wake up and repeat. Episode 5 of the Play Action Pod. We're back with a fresh episode for you guys. We're going to be previewing week three's games. We're also going to be talking about kind of some under undercover um, news that I kind of was looking into as far as like Pac-12 media rights. Maybe they'll be making a transition towards Amazon, who's doing some Thursday night NFL games. So we'll be touching on some NFL for the first time. I know this is a college football podcast, but yeah, we, we kind of need to talk about a little bit of some NFL. But anyways, I think we should start off with games of the week. Let's talk about BYU at Oregon this week in Eugene. Obviously, BYU coming off a big win at home against Baylor. Brock, time for you to talk. Let's go. Yeah, welcoming me into the pod yeah. for the first time today. <laughs> um, wow, it seems like we talk about BYU every week. That's kind of what it what it felt like with with Florida for a little bit too. But yeah, BYU's got another big one, you know, on the road in Eugene at Autzen in a very very loud environment. Those fans really get up for these games, um, especially with you know a top twelve team coming to town. I think those Oregon fans are gonna be ready for it. I don't know if their football team will be ready for it, but <laughs> but the fans will definitely hype for this one, and I'm really excited to um, watch this game over the weekend. Yeah, we were kind of talking about BYU before we started recording. I mean, they have the potential to run the table. I mean, this is a big game for them this week. If they if they pull this off in Eugene, I think that they have a legitimate chance of making the playoffs. But, I mean, their schedule is a little tough. I mean, they got Notre Dame and Arkansas later in the season. But, I mean, I don't know. The schedule's there for them to do it. No, yeah, they have everything in place to run the table. It started with, you know, obviously beating Baylor at home. And, you know, it wasn't very pretty how they did it. I know both teams were missing field goals left, right, and center. So, you know, but that's that's how you tell your team is good, is when they, you know, come through adversity and get those close wins. So BYU obviously showing a lot of adversity in that game versus Baylor and getting the dub last week. But – I think it's a different kind of test than Baylor coming up this week against Oregon because Oregon isn't necessarily – I don't think Oregon's a better football team than Baylor, and I think we can all agree on that. But Oregon is going to be way more athletic than Baylor. They're going to have athletes all over the field, and sometimes when your athletes come to play and they make plays, that's how you can get a win. So I think that's the worry for BYU this weekend. And I think it's also the fact that they're on the road. I mean, obviously BYU – they get it done at home, but you know, they're not going to be in Lavelle Edwards this weekend. So we'll kind of see how things go down in Eugene. I, I want you to talk about your comparison to BYU season this year compared to last year. I know we were talking about it before we started recording, but I want to, I want, I want you to share that. Yeah. It seems like every single year BYU has that huge home win. You know, and I know last year it was against Utah. They beat, you know, Utah for the first time in 12 something years. So that was their big win at home. And then obviously last week, the big win over Baylor. So that kind of mirrors to what they did last season. And then they also have that one game on the road that's tough environment that they lose, you know, last season being at Baylor, this season at Oregon. Is that a little foreshadowing that we see? And then obviously they have that one game of the team that they shouldn't lose to that they end up losing to. So obviously last year it was Boise State at home. This year, we're kind of looking down their schedule. Potentially, maybe some of those weaker teams that they play is that are those games that BYU drops. So I think this is a, the first real test for BYU. 
to kind of see if they've kind of put those things aside as of last year where, you know, they were losing to teams that they shouldn't lose to. You know, let's see if that happens again this week. I fully expect BYU to win this game. I don't think they should lose to Oregon, but they're going to have to they're going to have to have a different game plan I think this week because Oregon is is definitely a more athletic squad than that Baylor team and that's going to be the real difference this week. Yeah, I think two things to look out for this weekend is definitely going to be one the quarterback battle, Jaron Hall versus Bo Nix. I mean, we saw Bo Nix kind of struggle against Actually, not kind of struggle, really struggle against, against that, that Georgia, Georgia defense. Against that Georgia defense, week one, obviously losing forty-nine to three. Kind of bounced back last week. On, I know it's Eastern Washington, but threw for five touchdowns. What, how many yards did he have? Like four hundred yards or three hundred yeah. something yards. Yeah, I can't remember what the exact yards was, but I think the thing that impressed me most about Bonex last week was twenty-eight for thirty-three. So really efficient with the ball, completing his passes the way he needs to, and he's going to have to do that again this week for the, uh, the Ducks to win this game. Yeah, for sure. And we're not comparing Eastern Washington to BYU. No, Obviously, BYU is going to be a better defense, so it'll be more of a challenge for him. But, I mean, they're in Eugene. He'll be a little more comfortable. And, yeah, I, I liked what I was seeing from Bo Nix week two compared to week one. And for Jaron Hall, obviously, he's been looking really good. USF, they put up 50 points. I mean, he's got three touchdowns on the year, 522 yards on only one interception. So, I mean, that's one thing to look out for this weekend is the quarterback battle. Who's going to win, Jaron Hall or Bonix? Who Actually, who do you think is going to win that quarterback? Yeah, I got, I got a couple more notes before we get into predictions real quick. But um, Oregon, dating back to last season, has won one out of their last five games against ranked opponents. That one win being Ohio State on the road in Columbus. Yeah. Anytime Oregon lines up against a ranked squad, they've struggled in the past couple years, or I guess the past year dating back to last year. So how, how does that look this week against BYU? And then also for Jaron Hall, his two best receivers were out last week. I don't know if we have news yet if they're going to play this week, but he seems to get it done. With It doesn't matter who he's throwing the ball to. He seems to get the ball done or gets the job done. So we'll see how Jaron Hall looks again this week. Uh, but he he played you know pretty well last week without his two best receivers in Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua. So getting into a prediction – BYU on the road, coming off that big win. I know we talked about this with Florida. They came off a big win. Was that going to hang them over into the next week? Are we going to see something similar with BYU with their big win over Baylor? Is that going to be kind of something that plays into the next week? I personally don't think it will. I think BYU is is going to be too too kind of more fundamental for Oregon. You know, they're going to do everything that they need to do. They're not going to make any mistakes. They're going to win the line of scrimmage. And I think BYU goes up to Autzen and upset, or I guess not upsets, but beats the ranked Oregon Ducks. And I'm going to go by a score of 35 to 24. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on, on that one. I mean, I picked the Cougars last week to beat Baylor. I was correct. But I don't know. I think that Oregon's going to bounce back after that week one victory. I think that they're ready to go. I think that Bo Nix will outplay Jaron Hall. And seeing some special team woes for the Cougars last week, I just I just don't think they get it done. Like you said last year, they kind of drop that win on the road, and they did that with Baylor last year. I think they repeat it this year and lose to the Ducks. Anyways, that's that a that's, yeah. that's a bold prediction yeah, right there. With I know, um, it was bold for me to pick BYU last week, and I was right. Well, so, I mean, bold with Bo Nix out playing Jared. Oh Hall. yeah, I'm interested <laughs> to see how that plays out. That's yeah. a bold that's a bold prediction. But yeah, Oregon has the athletes to win this game. So if Oregon wins this game, it should be a surprise because they have the athletes and the talent. But 
I know we're both definitely interested to see how this yeah, game turns out. I'm excited out for that game. That'll be 1.30 Mountain Time on Fox. Anyways, let's talk about the next game. It's going to be Penn State at Auburn. I mean, we haven't really talked about Auburn this year yet, have we? Uh, no, yeah. Auburn obviously lost Bo Nix to Oregon. So they got a new quarterback this year, TJ Finley. Um, and he kind of hasn't really played great. You know, I think he's got one touchdown, what, three interceptions on the year. So he hasn't really been great. I'm not saying Bo Nix was fantastic for Auburn either. But I think Auburn needs more out of their quarterback play. They obviously have Tank Bigsby, who I think is an absolute stud at running back. He's a monster running the, running the ball. So I think that, that Auburn for this game against Penn State is going to have to lean on that kind of aspect of their game. Uh, they're going to need to run the ball really efficiently because I don't know if TJ, TJ Finley can necessarily get it done through the air. But this is a really interesting matchup. They obviously played last year or last year where uh, Penn State got the win at home, but now Penn State travels to Auburn. So we'll kind of have to see how this one goes. Yeah, um, I don't really – yeah, Sean Clifford, I mean, he, he's been having a monster year. I mean, he's got five touchdowns on 495 yards, only one interception. I know we kind of had doubts with him earlier in the season. Like you said, I think it was last week. He went from what was it? He was he was the villain when he <laughs> yeah. threw that. Oh my! He sailed it over his his receiver, and then I think the next drive or two drives down against, the line was that Purdue. That was Purdue, yeah. And then like it was like the next drive or the drive after he took the team straight down the field, six for seven, really efficient. Took him right down the field, won the game. So yeah, Sean Clifford's gonna be gonna be an impact for Penn State, and I think he's maybe destined to have a breakout year and kind of be a quarterback that not many people expect to kind of lead his team. Yeah, I like I like Penn State winning this game on the road against Auburn. I they they had the road win against Purdue earlier this year. I don't know. They just they just look pretty solid. I I know I picked Penn State to to win that game as well. But yeah, they they snuck in the rankings. They're obviously ranked 22. They're finally going to getting to play on CBS national stage. That'll be 1:30 Mountain Time. But I don't know. I just I don't think Auburn has been too impressive in these first two games. They played Mercer and they played San Jose State, and the quarterback still threw three interceptions in those two games. So I don't. I just don't see anything too impressive from Auburn. No, yeah, the, I was going to bring up that San Jose State game because you know Auburn did not look great in that game at all. But I think the thing that maybe gives Auburn a chance in this game is they are at home. You know, three consecutive home games. So maybe they can finally put it all together to maybe beat a Penn State team, but I think you're right about Penn State. I think I think Penn State has been quietly kind of playing really well. I'm a little bit higher on Purdue than I think most people are. I think Purdue is a really good squad, so I think that win on the road in week one is really impressive. And then, obviously, they took care of business last week against Ohio, didn't really have any problems. And I think they kind of go through as business, as normal, and get a win on the road against Auburn. I think Sean Clifford's the difference. I think quarterback play is going to be really important in this game. And I think Sean Clifford has a really, really good day against that Auburn defense. And I think Penn state covers the line. I think they win uh let's go 28, 21 in a close one on the road in Auburn. But yeah, I think Sean Clifford's gonna be a little bit too much for this Pence or for this Auburn team. Yeah, I agree. I think Penn state will get the win. I think it will be close, but this game will be at the same time as the Oregon game and BYU, so we have to flip back and forth. But anyways, yeah, I got Penn State winning by a field goal, maybe a touchdown. I got them covering, 
But anyway, should we no, talk it's, about it's, yeah. it's, it's time to pull out the, the multiple yeah. televisions for that one. Yeah, yeah so you got to Penn double. State on one TV, Oregon on the other. Yeah, you got to have the dual monitors going for that at 1.30. Anyways, big one for the Pac-12 this weekend. We got 11 Michigan State going on the road to play Washington. Washington's had a hot, had a hot start. What do, what do you see from this, this Husky squad? Yeah, so they obviously got, you know, the new coach. Um, they got... Michael Penix Jr. from Indiana, who's their new quarterback. So a lot of a lot of new kind of starts for Washington, as you should say. And, you know, they've, they start out really well. Obviously, we're not going to take too much from Kent State and Portland State. But, they, you know, they didn't really have any troubles with them. They gave up 20 points to Kent State, which is a little bit more than you would want. But, you know, responded the next week, only giving up six to Portland State. And, yeah, they've looked really good. They've kind of been back to what we would expect a Washington football team to look like. So I'm, I have high hopes for Washington this year. Hopefully that they can get back to being, you know, one of the, one of the better teams in the nation. Cause I think that's, that's the level for Washington as a top 25 team. And what better way to do that than beating Michigan state at home this week? Yeah, I think this will be a, a big road. The first test for Michigan state this year. I mean, the first two games, they didn't really play anybody. It was 35, 13, first game, one to zero last week. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think Washington looks really good this year. I mean, obviously they struggled last year, but I don't. Yeah, I think it'll be a big test for Michigan State a week three. Yeah, I think the big thing for Michigan State is you know the play of Peyton Thorn. Uh, he obviously is the X factor for them. I know they ha- they lost Kenneth Walker last year to the NFL. They got new running back Jalen Berger, who has played very very good for them. But I think for Michigan State to not only win this game, but to be a contender in the Big Ten, I think they need to rely on Peyton Thorne to win some of those closer games. And I think that this game is going to be one of those closer games. So obviously, he's thrown your, your turnovers have been a problem for Michigan State, and you know he's part of that problem too with three interceptions on the season. So Michigan State has to clean up the turnovers. You know they have two in both their games against. You know, I don't want to say lesser opposition, but we're not talking about power five programs that they beat. And, you know, they've been turning the ball over in both those games. They can't do that against Washington. Washington will punish them for those turnovers. But I think the big story is how does Penix, you know, play against another Big Ten foe? He didn't play against Michigan State last year, but obviously coming from the Big Ten, he kind of knows what that conference is about. We'll have to see how he looks for Washington and see if he can get the job done. Who do you think is going to win that? Uh, when the when the quarterback battle Penix or Thorn, I think Penix wins the quarterback battle, but I think the more important battle is going to be that turnover battle. Yeah, I think if if Michigan State loses the turnover battle, I think they're going to lose the game. Same goes for Washington. But yeah, I like Penix to outplay Thorn. Uh, I think he he kind of is feeling more comfortable than he did at Indiana. I know at Indiana he had all the athleticism in the world, but he was just a little bit inaccurate and kind of rushed his reads a little bit. He's looking a little bit more comfortable in Washington. Obviously, this is going to be their first true test with, you know, 11th-ranked Michigan State coming to town. But, yeah, I think I think Penix is a much-improved quarterback, and I think he's going to take this Washington team, you know, to big places in the next couple of years to come. So do you got you got Washington winning this game? Or? I got Washington winning this wow. game. Um, I think if we're talking about Washington going on the road to Big Ten country, I think it's a different story. 
But I think I think we've seen it this year that home teams have played really well at home. You know, obviously just a couple games that come to mind, you know, Florida winning at home against a topped Utah team. And then obviously last week, you know, BYU winning at home against a ranked Baylor team. And then we even saw Texas play pretty well and probably should have beat Alabama at home. So I think that's been a been a constant theme for a lot of college football teams this year is that playing at home has benefited a lot in those upsets. So I like Washington at home to upset number 11, Michigan State. I think Penix is going to have a good game, and I think this is finally the time that Washington starts getting some more national respect like they used to get when they were a playoff team a couple years ago. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think Michigan State's going to limit the turnovers, and I think they're going to get the win against Washington this weekend. But I do think it will be a close game. Considering that Washington is at home, I know you talk about how home teams have been fairly successful this year, but I mean, Wisconsin dropping on the road last week against Washington State. You know, you really never know, but I, yeah, I've got, I've got Michigan State beating Washington this weekend, but within a score, within three, seven points, another close one. That'll be 5.30 Mountain Time on ABC. Another one to look out for this weekend, we've got Miami going at Texas A&M. Aggies obviously coming off a embarrassing loss last week against Appalachian State. How do they bounce back after a rough week losing to Appalachian State at home? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week in the um, the recap for the week. And I think it becomes down to what is this Texas A&M team's identity? You know, what, what, what kind of team are they? They obviously have all these recruits, number one recruiting class in the nation. So I don't think talent is the problem in College Station, but is you know maybe it maybe it's Jimbo Fisher, but I don't I, I'm I'm a big Jimbo Fisher guy. I don't think Jimbo Fisher is the problem, but you know he's got to he's got to find a way to get this talent to you know produce, and you got to be able to beat teams like App State. But I think maybe one question that we could ask is you know maybe it's time to change quarterbacks. I know you're only two games in to the season, and it is really early, but you did get LSU transfer Mac jo- Max Johnson, who played pretty well last season for LSU. I would say you know 2,800. And 15 yards, 27 TDs, only six interceptions. It was kind of a su- surprise that he didn't win the job, but maybe it's time to kind of look at your your younger quarterback in King and say, you know what, we're going to go with Max this week and see what he can do. But, you know, I think Texas A&M is going to be fine in the long run, but as for this week against Miami, I think they're going to struggle again at home. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I, I- I think that Miami just looks too good. Obviously, Mario, Mario Cristobal's first two games as head coach for the Hurricanes. Yeah, I just I just don't see Texas A&M bouncing back after that loss against Appalachian State, who stole the stole the win against them. Also, stole stole College Game Day um, for from the Aggies because I bet this would have been game day. This would have hundred percent been game. This day. would have been game day if Texas A&M was able to get the win last week against them. Yeah, we know obviously know a lot about Mario Cristobal with him being from Oregon. Um, his teams always they always are tough physical teams. You know they they have lacked kind of like the end result in previous seasons. Obviously, kind of when that comes to either getting to the playoff or and we saw last year kind of that was the difference between them losing the conference championship game. But I think Mario Cristobal is a really good coach. I think he's got a special talent in Tyler Van Dyke who's definitely going to be a 
high draft pick in this next draft in the 2023 draft. So I, yeah, I think, I think the X factor for Miami is Tyler Van Dyke in this offense kind of how do they go into a hostile environment in college station? Because you know, those fans are going to be, they're going to be ready because they don't, they don't want to have a repeat of last week. So they're going to be, they're going to be revved and ready to go for a top ranked Miami team coming into town. But yeah, I want to see how Tyler Van Dyke manages this football game and kind of see how he and the offense for Miami produces. I know they obviously have, you know, that running back Henry uh, Paris Jr. I think the run game is something that you can always get behind. If you have a good run game, you usually have a good football team. But I think I think Tyler Van Dyke's going to take over this game. I think he's the best quarterback in this game, whether that's, you know, Max Johnson or Hayes Kings for Texas A&M, whoever starts. I think it'll I think it is still going to be Hayes King. I would like to see Max Johnson in this game, but I don't think it matters. I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to take over this game, and I think Miami is going to win, and I think they're actually going to win big too. I got Miami on the road winning 42-28, to 28, so winning by a couple scores for the Miami Hurricanes. Before I get into my prediction, do you think that Texas A&M needs to win this game in order to keep their season afloat? Oh, definitely. This is a – for Texas A&M standards and where they want to be this season, they were, you know, people were talking about them for the playoff, you know, winning the SEC potentially and getting to the playoff. And when you have the number one recruiting class in the nation, there is pressure that comes along with that. So if you lose to App State at home, that pressure only intensifies. And then if you lose to Miami at home too, back to back, it's going to get even worse. This is a make or break game for Texas A&M in their season. I think if they lose to Miami, I think their season's chalked. So this is a big game for Texas A&M, and I think they will be ready for this game. But I just think Tyler Van Dyke's too good of a quarterback, and that's why I got Miami in this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think that Miami gets the win on the road against Texas A&M and College Station. But I don't know. I I agree. I think Texas A&M will be ready, and they will bounce back for this game. It'll be interesting to see if Texas A&M loses kind of what direction the program heads. Like, are we going to have a, any of these young guys like make some transfer moves at the end of the season? So I think that's kind of a concern if you're an Aggies fan. You know, you kind of want to have a confidence booster win against like a good Miami team in order to keep this team together because, yeah, they were in the number one recruiting class, but these guys are young. And if they see opportunities elsewhere, I mean, other teams like getting wins, then they might they might be on the move. Well, yeah, and you might even get the question marks of, did these kids go to Texas A&M because they actually want to play football and play football there? Or were the NIL opportunities too good to say no to? Because I, I I, know if I was in their shoes and someone gave me a large sum of money to come to their university, I would definitely have to consider it. So you obviously aren't even thinking about firing Jimbo Fisher because firing Jimbo after the number one recruiting class in the nation just is insanity to me. But we'll see how Texas A&M bounces back. I think that's probably one of my favorite games of the week to look at because I want to see if Texas A&M is kind of the same old or if they bounce back and have a good effort against Miami. Yeah, so we both got Miami winning this game. Before we talk about the rest of the game predictions for the week, I kind of want to talk about the Pac-12 a little bit and kind of their media situation that they're going through right now. I kind of came, I came across an article posted by the Mercury News talking about how Amazon's Thursday night NFL broadcast could be a peek into the Pac-12's future. Obviously, Thursday night football is transitioning from NBC to now 
Amazon Prime. So you have to be an Amazon Prime subscriber in, in order to watch the game. Could that be something that the Pac-12 looks into as stuff is kind of going on with their own individual kind of media stuff? Right now they have the Pac-12 networks, but I've been reading some things about how they might be making a transition to something like Apple TV or the Amazon Prime. What are your thoughts on this situation? This is interesting. This is really interesting because when you think of college football the past who knows how many every years, it's always been Fox Sports and ESPN. So to kind of say that you're considering partnering with, you know, Amazon or Apple and not, you know, going the route of ESPN or Fox is very interesting. And I think it's a gamble that could either pay out really big for the Pac-12 or it could be kind of their final nail in the coffin, depending on what that media deal looks like. But it's ambitious and it's new and it's something we haven't seen yet. And maybe maybe this is the new wave of you know sports television is going to certain platforms that are subscription-based. But it's an interesting move for the Pac-12 for sure. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really interesting when the NFL announced that Thursday night games were going to be hosted by Amazon Prime. And I, I kind of was just like, what the heck is going on? Like, I didn't really like the idea. It just sounded weird to me that you would have to have Amazon Prime in order to watch a football game that was normally available through just, you know, like Comcast Network, stuff like that. But I don't know. I, this could be the future, you know? Yeah, making it exclusive is definitely an interesting move because if you are – a big college football fan and you want to watch, you know, say Oregon and Washington play football, you're going to have to have Amazon Prime. So it's kind of like beneficial in a way for say like Amazon because they might get a lot of new people that are buying their subscription because they have teams that they want to watch. Or it could kind of be like, I guess I'm not that interested in the game anyways. I'm not going to pay for the subscription and I'm just not going to watch the Pac-12 at all. So that's kind of the hit or miss that comes with it. I think it's more interesting that they're even exploring other options because I think it kind of tells that ESPN and Fox Sports are kind of lowballing them and not giving them an offer that they think is you know fair or beneficial to the conference. So this is really interesting to see kind of how this plays out. You know, the Pac-12 had a huge win with the expansion of the playoff, but they still got so many hurdles to go through. To get their media rights deal right. Yeah, obviously with the departure of USC and UCLA in a couple years is really going to hurt the conference. But who knows, maybe Amazon throws the Pac-12 a bag and then this is the Pac-12's future. You know, I'm interested to see the ratings of this week's Thursday night football game, which is tomorrow, compared to last week's, which is on NBC. I'm kind of going to be looking at those two numbers to see, you know, is Amazon a lot lower or is NBC a lot lower. I think that will strongly affect the Pac-12 deci- Pac-12's decision moving forward because obviously we don't want to lose TV ratings as a Pac-12 conference, or they don't. Yeah, and then I guess like the downside for you know maybe ESPN or Fox Sports is you have a whole window of games that you're going to have to fill with somebody else now because I think that's the best thing about the West Coast is they can play in those night slots that ESPN really likes. ESPN really likes those, you know, 
10 p.m. Eastern, you know, it's 12 p.m. Eastern times for, you know, the West Coast that maybe the East Coast isn't up to see, but ESPN still has to fill it with something. So that's kind of why the Pac-12 was still somewhat beneficial to ESPN. But if they decide to go, you know, the route of, say, like an Amazon or an Apple TV, then ESPN has to find a way to fill all of those game times with, you know, are they going to, what, make East Coast teams play at later times so that they can fill those voids or what? But it's going to be interesting to see how it goes down. It sounds like the Pac-12 is doing everything in their power to get the right media deal for their schools, which I think is good to maybe hope hope to keep, you know, say the Washington and the Oregons of the world. But it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out for them. Yeah, and I think it's a little... I think it's a little late for the Pac-12 to be jumping on this. I think this is something that they needed to take action maybe a couple years ago before USC and UCLA left. I mean, these kids, they want to play on Fox and they want to play on ESPN. They don't want to play on Pac-12 networks where it's kind of exclusive to some TV deals. I know that you can only really find Pac-12 networks on some, some TV providers so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I thought I'd bring that up because that, I think that's something you need to look forward look for these coming weeks because I think they might make a move pretty soon. But anyways, let's talk about the rest of the games this weekend, starting off with number one ranked team in the country, Georgia, going at South Carolina, picked by 24 and a half. I think Georgia just takes care of business. Yeah, Georgia, it seems like business as as usual, especially compared to what they did last year. It just seems like, you know, they're going to play their brand of football. They're going to, you know, they're going to be clean. They're going to be, you know, tough to play against. And they're just going to slide through games with ease, at least until they get to, you know, the Alabamas of the world. So I, I like Georgia on the road at South Carolina. Can be a little bit tricky, but, you know, 24 and a half favorite. I think they probably cover that. And I think they win, we'll go 45, we'll go 45 to 10. Yeah, I agree. I, li- I like Georgia winning big here and covering in the game against South Carolina. Next game, number six, Oklahoma going at Nebraska. Obviously, the coaching situation going down at Nebraska as they fired Scott Frost this last week. Who do you got in that game? This game's actually appealing to me because of Nebraska's coach um, situation right now. Usually when you get teams that fire a coach, it's kind of like maybe you see a different team the next week under, you know, a different voice, under a different leadership. So would I be surprised to see Nebraska kind of at home maybe get a win here? No, I would not. Because I think that maybe Scott Frost was kind of just an old voice in the locker room and wasn't really getting the players ready to play. And maybe their intern comes in and Makes a makes a difference for them, but I'm still gonna go with Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is too good of a football team to lose to Nebraska, so I'm gonna go Oklahoma in a tight one. Though I don't think they cover. We're gonna go 31 to 28, just a field goal game. Oh wow, them. well that's that's kind of a hot take. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the Sooners will get the win at Nebraska. It'll be interesting to see how this team bounce back after all the adversity they've been going through. I think they got like an interim head coach coming in, or was it was it the assistant or was the assistant coach? Right? Yeah, it's one of their assistants that was kind of promoted to like the interim title. Yeah, so we'll see how Nebraska bounces back after that situation. Next game, we got Texas Tech 
going at NC State. NC State, 10.5-point favorite. Game's on ESPN2 at 5 o'clock. What are we seeing there? Yeah, this is another interesting one because Texas Tech just had that big win at home against Houston, who was ranked 25 last week. So NC State's a team that hasn't looked particularly amazing. They had a good bounce back in week two, but they obviously struggled in week one, barely sneaking by ECU. Maybe that was the wake-up call that NC State needed. We know how talented their team is this year. But I think Texas Tech might steal one here. I know it's on the road. I know it's NC State, who has a very great roster this year. But I think Texas Tech, you know, they're riding momentum from their win last week. They're feeling good about how they're playing. I'm going to go Texas Tech in an upset here. Really? Another hot take. We're going to go 28-24 for the Red Raiders. Dang, Red Raiders getting it done on the weekend. I'm going to have to disagree I think there was a lot of ex- high expectations for this NC State team going into the season, and I think they'll get the win against a hot Raid- Red Raiders. But anyways, Fresno State at USC. USC only a 12-point favorite coming off a good win against Stanford last week. Game's 8.30 Mountain Time on Fox. Do we got the Trojans winning this one? Yeah, I think we got the Trojans winning big too. I don't think they should struggle here. Their offense surely hasn't. I think the only way that USC even has a chance to lose this game is if the defense just gets, you know, kind of split apart the whole day. But I, I saw I saw a little interview clip, clip with uh, Fresno State's quarterback, Jake Heiner, and he was talking about how he was a Cali kid and all he wanted was to be recruited by USC. Oh. And he was saying how he didn't have enough stars or how he wasn't good enough for USC. So maybe he's a little bit more motivated to play this game than most Fresno State players are. But I just think this USC offense is way too good. Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison are firing on all cylinders. And I think Lincoln Riley is really building something for this USC program. And I think it's going to continue not only in this game, but for the rest of the season. So I'm going to go USC at home over Fresno State. I'm going to go big. I think I think USC wins You know, 49. We'll go 49-21 for USC. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's really any question marks as far as the USC offense. They've obviously been putting up some good numbers, but the real question is, like, can their defense hang with this very efficient offense? I think that they will, and they will get the win against Fresno State this weekend at home. I think it'll be three touchdowns is my prediction on that game. Next game we got is Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. Ole Miss 16-point favorite. Both or. I guess Ole Miss 2-0, Georgia Tech 1-1, but Ole Miss on the road. Well, I know at the start of the season we talked a little bit about the clip from, um, oh man, his name's escaping me, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss Miss head coach, (laughs) and how he was talking about his team and he wasn't very confident when talking about them. But it seems like, you know, so far, kind of business as usual, going through their first two games. Ole Miss is an interesting one, though. I think Georgia Tech... I know they got blown out by Clemson, but that game was a lot closer than the score suggests. Yeah, they didn't look too terrible. They looked, they were hanging with them. Yeah, Georgia Tech was definitely hanging with Clemson for a bit. So I think this could be a tricky one for Ole Miss. But, you know, it's playing against an SEC team is just different. They're just different kind of players down there. They're coached differently. I think Ole Miss goes on the road, and I think they do win this game. I don't think they cover. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than per se that Clemson game. But I'm going to go Ole Miss on the road over Georgia Tech. We'll go 
Ole Miss 24, Georgia Tech 17. Okay, I like that prediction. Yeah, I got the Rebels winning this one as well. I think it'll be similar to the Georgia Tech game against Clemson. I think they'll hang with them for a while, but I just think that Jackson Dart and the Ole Miss Rebels will get it done this weekend. Next game, we've got Cal at Notre Dame. Cal 2-0 playing against a winless Notre Dame team on the road. 12.30 Mountain Time on NBC. Do the Fighting Irish bounce back after a pretty disappointing start? Well, this is interesting for Notre Dame because obviously their quarterback, Tyler Buckner, it was announced that he's going to miss the rest of the season. So you're going to have a quarterback change. And Drew Pine came in last week after he got hurt. He didn't play terrible. I think he had a touchdown and interception. The interception was what kind of sealed it for Marshall, and then he kind of scored you know, a last-minute touchdown to kind of make it a little more reasonable. But I think when you go throughout the week and get those first-team reps as a quarterback one, your confidence is just different, and you just feel you know, more ready to play in the game. So I actually think Notre Dame will finally get on the right track at home. You know, they're going to have a new quarterback. Maybe that maybe that gets the team going, you know, new leadership in the huddle. And I think Cal's had a good start. I just think Notre Dame's going to be a little bit too much of a step for them. I got Notre Dame winning, not in a high-scoring one at all. I think they've scored, what, 17 and 21 their first two games, or 10 and 21 their first two games. So Notre Dame's not going to score a lot of points, I don't think. We'll go uh, 21 to 10 for Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Notre Dame has the talent to be able to win this game this weekend. And who knows, maybe a quarterback change will be a a new spark for this team. But yeah, I think the Fighting Irish will pull together their first win of the season against Cal at home. Now let's talk about ACC. Florida State against Louisville. This game is Friday night, ESPN 530. Who do we got? Man, we got to pick them. Yeah, you know, going to be a good, tight, close game. We obviously watched Florida State play against LSU, and that was a good game. It was a game of the year. Seems like Florida State only plays, you know, good games. <laughs> yeah, only close ones. Only close ones, which is going to be interesting. But um, same yeah. with the uh, same with Louisville. They won a close one. Yeah. I think it was a Friday night game as well. Yeah, that thriller with uh, UCF, right? That yeah. game, game-winning interception. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So this this one just has the making of being a, a close game of two, like, all-right football teams just going at it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Florida State, I think Florida State's going to actually get this one done on the road yeah. in Louisville. It's it's a pick em, so <laughs> it kind of doesn't really matter. It's going to be a close one. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Florida State 28, Louisville 27, winning on okay. last second touchdown for Florida State, because that's just... Seems how their game's going. Yeah, or maybe like a special teams there or something like that. But I think coin flip, I got Florida State winning this game on the road against Louisville. An absolute dogfight. I think this will be a fun one to watch on Friday night. We got two more games. UL Monroe at Alabama. This should be a close one considering last week Bama struggled with Texas. No, I'm just kidding. Who, who do you think? No, yeah, so Alabama's probably been – who doing who knows what this week? You know, yeah. doing. They probably hasn't. They probably haven't touched a football this week. They've just been doing sprints up and down the field. They've been running around campus. You know, Nick Saban looked very upset at the final whistle of that one. So I expect Alabama to absolutely throttle. I, I feel bad for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> any, 
any other team on this schedule, it doesn't matter who it is, they're getting beat down by this Alabama team because they're probably angry. You know, they probably have had a rough week of practice. I like Alabama to put 70 on them. I think, yeah, I think at least. Is, I think it's going to be like a 70-7 to 7 type of game. Alabama's going to kind of give the nation what they thought they were going into the season again, kind of reinvigorate that hope that Alabama is the best team in college football. I think last week they didn't show it, but I think this week they definitely do. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. when you, I think you brought that up on a, our Sunday Sunday's episode when you're like, oh, I'm praying for whatever team has to play Bama. After that, after what we saw after the game from Nick Saban, I mean, fiery attitude for good reason. I think I, that's what I like about Nick Saban. You know, he's, he's never really satisfied. Never satisfied. You know, he could, he could beat a team by four or five scores and his reaction would be, oh, we didn't play good on offense because of this, this, and this. He's a perfectionist. He strives for perfection, and he gets the most out of his kids. You know that's why he sends them to the NFL every year in bunches. So, I think you have to love how Nick Saban coaches his football program, and I think that's why you're just going to see an absolute beatdown this week. Yeah, I agree. I got I got Bama winning by like seventy or eighty. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's gonna be a big one. Anyways, last game we got a late one: San Diego State at number fourteen Utah. Obviously, Utah lost week one against Florida, and they lost to San Diego State last year. They're picked by 21 this year. You think the Utes will back or uh, come back for a revenge win? I think this is a this is a pretty interesting line for me because you know San Diego State. I know they haven't they've had they're having kind of a down year. They lost to Arizona in the opener, and I don't think Arizona's that great. But I think it's interesting that this line is so big. I think it's more of kind of the respect for Utah's offense and their ability to potentially put up points. We obviously saw that last week. But yeah, I think I think this this game is going to mean a lot more to Utah players than people are going to think because of obviously what happened last year. And I think they're going to be motivated, I think they're going to be ready, and I think they're going to want revenge and I think they're going to want big time revenge. So I got I got Utah winning this game pretty big too. I think it's I think it's not not as high as last week, but I'm going to say I'm going to say 52. I'm going to say 52 to 10. I think they blow them out. I don't think it's really close either. Yeah, I like the Utes and Cam Rising winning by four touchdowns this weekend. Putting up, I think, 50 points as well. But I think before we wrap things up, we kind of want to do some playoff talk, you know? It wouldn't be an episode without some playoff talk. Yeah, it seems like it was like the first episode we talked about the playoff. Yeah, I know I know. we kind of talked about how BYU might have a chance to sneak in. But we were talking before we were recording about... What was it Joel Klatt, Fox guy? Yeah, I was watching. I was watching. He just started his podcast, Joel Klatt, and I was watching his episode most recently talk about the twelve-person playoff and why it was so important for the sport. And it was really interesting. Some of the points he brought up. I think he his numbers were since the playoff came into like fruition in twenty fourteen, there had only been thirteen teams that had made the playoff in what was that eight years, seven years. And I thought that was interesting because that's only about 10% of college football. And then he goes on to say if the 12-team playoff was put in in 2014, there would have been 41 teams that would have made the playoff. And that's a huge number. That's almost, what, is, what is this based off of? This is based off of the final playoff rankings. So it's so the top 12 teams. Top, yes. Correct. So a lot of those teams finished in the top you know, 12 of their, of the, of the rankings before the final playoff came out and they just unfortunately missed it because it was down to four. So he kind of talked about how this was really hurting our game. And another point that he brought up too, was he was talking about the five-star recruits and where they have gone 
since you know 2014 as well. And the five leading teams in five-star recruits, the most five-star recruits, number one was Alabama, number two was Georgia, number three was Ohio State, number four, I believe, was Clemson, and number five was LSU. So if you kind of think about that, what are the five teams that have won a national championship since 2014? It's those five programs. So it kind of shows that for at least the most talented kids in the nation, if you want to win a national championship, you're going to the five schools that have done it. So I think that's why expanding the playoff to 12 is gonna be so crucial for the sport because you're gonna see more kids who are talented maybe stay in their home state or maybe stay nearby because they don't have to go across the country to play at Alabama if they wanna win a national championship. That's just so crazy how that this transition to a 12 team playoff could change the entire dynamic of the sport in every aspect, recruiting aspect, conference aspect. Because then you think about moves like UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten that's more competitive, or I guess somewhat more competitive, you know, it's going to be harder to get the automatic bid compared to like a Pac-12 that's kind of now less competitive, you know, maybe Oregon and Washington stay. Yeah, if, yeah, if you look at it this way, if the 12-team playoff comes in in 2014, are USC and UCLA, or even you could even say Texas and Oklahoma, are those teams jumping ship from their respective conferences if they know that all they have to do is win their conference and they're into the playoff? I don't think you, I don't think you see that as much. So I think that's something that was really weighing on the decision of these, of these decision makers to to get the playoff up to 12. And I think in the long run, I don't think it's going to be immediately. It's going to probably take a couple years, but I think in the long run, it's going to be really good for the sport. Do you still think it's going to be the same top four teams that win it every year? Like, is, are we still going to see Bama and Georgia in the championship every year? You might, you might, at least for the, for the first couple of years. I'm more interested to see kind of how recruiting changes and seeing if maybe those five-star recruits are spread out a little bit more to like, say eight or nine, maybe even 10 teams. Cause I think if you even out the talent level, then it becomes anybody's game. Yeah, it's definitely gonna level out the playing field. And for me, what I'm most excited about is those on-campus first round games. Yeah, those, those are gonna be amazing. Especially if, you know, say you're in a colder climate, like say like Michigan or Ohio State, having a team come up in mid-December, mid to late December to play your team yeah. Yikes. That's going to that's gonna be a cold one. Especially if you get, you know, maybe you get like a Georgia. You know, Georgia's not used to playing necessarily in cold weather, weather games. But, um, yeah, you know, throw throw some of those games on, on campuses, and I think it changes everything. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And that's just going to be a fight to be able to host those first-round games. Like, no one's just going to be like, oh, I'm 12th ranked, you know, these teams are going to want to be at home playing these games. It's going to be a huge advantage. No, yeah. So it, 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 makes, it makes it so you don't want to make any mistakes. Like, obviously, you already don't want to make any mistakes. But if you're, you know, 9-0, 10-0 going in the final weeks of the season and you're sitting pretty in one of those good, you know, bye week spots and you lose a game, that could change absolutely everything. Because you could go from having a first week bye or potentially playing at home to, you know, now you're traveling on the road to go play a team when you could have been either sitting at home 
preparing for a game or, you know, sit at home seeing what everybody else is doing. So now it's, it's going to make every game even more important. And I think it's going to make the upsets even that much better. So what are, what are the automatic bids? Like, have they announced, is it, it's power five? Yeah. So all the power fives get an automatic bid and then the highest ranked team in the group of five gets an automatic okay. bid too. Oh, really? It's so. just the highest rank. Okay. That'll be interesting. But yeah. And then the top four, they get a buy. Top four um, playoff winners. So they the get highest ranked playoff winners get a buy. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Kind of because they're still going to be like the committee announcing like who the top four teams are. Dude, I'm excited for that. I don't know about you. Man, it sounds like they're really pushing to try to get it to 2024, maybe even sooner. So yeah. it sounds like we won't have to wait until 2026. Thank goodness. To finally see this implemented. But yeah, I think it's going to be good for the sport. And I think it's something that we've needed, you know, for the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up for this week. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We're looking at the analytics. We see that we're getting some listeners, so we appreciate it so much for taking some time out of your day to be able to listen to just some two dudes talking about football. Yeah, and if you are listening, you know, make sure to follow the show. Yeah. Make sure to leave us a review, you know, help help boost those analytics for us. Yeah, for sure. And we're, we're going to be posting twice a week for you guys. We're grinding these out, but yeah, we enjoy it. We're thankful for you guys, and I think that's it, and we'll see you guys next week.